0: This podcast is a proud member of the Paranormality Podcast Network.
1: And welcome to Stories of Strangeness episode 28, which is the second episode of season two. We're not gonna
0: do this every episode, are we?
1: No, I'm done now. That's Good. it now, just so that people know. <laughs> and this episode is a Zoe episode. So Hello. go nuts for donuts.
0: I wish I'd put donuts now.
1: I'll oh, shut up and get on with it.
0: Okay, the Black Dahlia.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that it?
0: Yeah, that's it. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Thanks for coming.
0: See ya. Sorry, I took a breath and it just kind of went... uh... The murder of the Black Dahlia is known as one of the most gruesome in recent history. But before she was the Black Dahlia, her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth Short was born on the 29th of July in 1924 in Boston, Massachusetts. She was born the third of five daughters to Cleo and Phoebe Short. When Elizabeth was six years old, her father abandoned the family after losing all of his money in the 1929 stock market crash. It was thought that he'd committed suicide when his car was found on the Charleston Bridge abandoned. Phoebe Short moved herself and her five daughters into a small apartment. Elizabeth didn't have an easy childhood. She suffered with bronchitis and severe asthma, and at 15, she had lung surgery doctors suggested that a milder climate may improve matters, so it was decided that she would winter in Miami, Florida, with friends of the family, and then return to Medford, Boston for the rest of the year. This marked the start of a downward spiral. It wasn't long after this that Elizabeth dropped out of high school. In 1942, things changed again for Elizabeth, when her mother received a letter from her supposedly deceased husband, Cleo Short. It turns out, he was alive and well, and living in California. Elizabeth was 18, and decided to go and live with him, but their relationship was strained and they argued often, so shortly after, she moved out. 1943 was a turbulent year for Elizabeth. She left her father's home and moved around a lot, changing both job and living arrangements. In September 1943, she was arrested for underage drinking and sent back to her mother, but she actually went back to Florida. Life seemed to settle for her, a little. She was briefly engaged to a major in the Air Force, but he was sadly killed in an air crash in 1945. In 1946, after his death, Elizabeth relocated again to Los Angeles. It was here that she would spend the last six months of her life, living in a rented room off Hollywood Boulevard and working as a waitress. She was said to have been an aspiring actress, although she is not known to have actually had any acting jobs. The last time Elizabeth was seen alive was the 9th of January 1947. She had returned home after a trip with Robert Red Manley, a married man she had been dating, and she was supposed to be meeting her sister, who was visiting from Boston. She was allegedly seen around downtown LA that day, in the Biltmore Hotel using a telephone, and in the Crown Grill cocktail lounge. If these are accurate, they are the last sightings of her alive. On the morning of the 15th of January 1947, Betsy Bersinger was out walking with her three-year-old daughter. They walked past the vacant lots on the west side of South Norton Avenue, It was an undeveloped area, and people would often dump unwanted items on the land. What Betsy first thought she had seen was a shop mannequin broken in two. But she soon realised it was not, and hurried to a house nearby to call the police. Elizabeth was like alabaster. Her body had been drained of all her blood, and cut completely in two at the waist. She had been given a Glasgow smile, which is to say that her face had been slashed at the corner of her mouth up to her ears. She had cuts on her thighs and flesh had been sliced from her breasts. The killer had washed her body and placed the two pieces about a foot apart, with her intestines tucked under her buttocks. Her arms were raised above her head and her legs were spread. Medical examiners placed her time of death between the evening of the 14th and the morning of the 15th of January. An autopsy also found ligature marks around her neck, wrists, and ankles. She had also been hit on the right side of her head. Elizabeth was identified by her fingerprints, which were on file from her arrest years earlier. Upon finding out her identity, a reporter called her mother in Boston, not to break the terrible news, but to tell her that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest. And it was only after he had got much personal information from her that he actually told her the real reason for his call. When her father was called and told of her murder, he said to the police, I want nothing to do with this. And that was it. As you can probably imagine, the story was all over the newspapers. For weeks, she was front page news. Elizabeth was called a sex fiend, an adventurous that prowled Hollywood Boulevard. The black suit she had last been seen wearing was now described in the newspapers as a tight skirt and sheer blouse. The stories focused more on her, this beautiful young woman, and how scandalous she was, rather than the awful crime that had been committed. Elizabeth was nicknamed the Black Dahlia after the recently released film, The Blue Dahlia, a film noir, a story of crime, passion, murder, and mystery. On the 23rd of January 1947, just weeks after the killing, the killer actually contacted the examiner, sending some of Elizabeth's personal items, including her birth certificate and address book. Some days after, her shoe and bag were found in the rubbish dump. The killer even sent a letter to police, made up of letters and words cut from magazines, saying that they would turn themselves in. They didn't show up. Instead, another letter was delivered stating, Have changed my mind. You would not have given me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. In January 1949, Leslie Dillon approached Dr. DeRiver, claiming that he was writing a book and wanting to talk about the Black Dahlia murder. Dillon worked as a bellhop, but had previously worked as a mortician, so knew how to handle bodies competently. De River was suspicious almost immediately, and the police became involved. When questioned, Dylan began to talk about elements of the crime that the police had not been able to explain, but he then accused his friend, Jeff Connors, but Jeff Connors was questioned and released. The police refocused on Dylan, and he was set to stand trial before a grand jury in late 1949, but a judge deemed he had been illegally detained, so the case was dismissed ...and Dylan walked free. Another claim, which has been brought to light more recently... ...by a former homicide detective, Steve Hodell. Hodell believes that his father, George, murdered Elizabeth. George had been a well-respected doctor in Los Angeles. The police had actually questioned him with regards to Elizabeth's death... ...but he was not formally charged. George Hodell had also been a suspect... ...when his secretary died of a drug overdose and had also been accused of raping his daughter from his second wife. Due to these accusations, he left the country several times and fled to the Philippines in both the 1950s and the 1990s. The death of his secretary was possibly to cover up his financial fraud and to keep the secrets of his wealthy clientele. George was also known to have befriended photographer Man Ray and film director John Houston sharing with them an interest in surrealism, the darker side of art, and sadomasochism. They all had a fondness for drinking, partying, and womanising. In 2003, George Hodel, Black Dahlia file, was discovered in the vaults of the LA County District Attorney Office. It was revealed that in the 1950s, George was the prime suspect. His home was bugged. The transcripts were incredibly incriminating. One such has him recorded as saying, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyhow, now they may have figured it out. Killed her? Maybe I did kill my secretary. In April 1950, enough evidence had been collected and George was about to be charged... But that was when he left the country, travelling to both Hawaii and then the Philippines. And that's where he seemed to remain until 1990. George died in 1999. After George died, Steve was given some of his possessions, and more information came to light. Steve discovered a small photo album filled with photos. One photo stood out, a woman he believed to be Elizabeth although relatives of Elizabeth have since said they do not believe it was her. George had four wives throughout his life. George was also a polygamist, and he was rumoured to have many affairs, one of which with Elizabeth. Steve has written many books on the subject, in which he outlines his father's guilt. He also suspects his father of being the lipstick killer of Chicago in the late 1940s, the 1967 jigsaw murderer, and also the San Francisco Zodiac Killer in the late 1960s. And he's written books about these too. Steve presented his findings to Detective Brian Carr of the LAPD. Carr was the officer in charge of the Black Dahlia case, and he stated that although there were a few intriguing facts, they were not enough to form a case, and he would be, quote, laughed out of the office if he were to take them to a prosecutor. However, in 2004, LAPD Chief of Detectives James McMurray said, "...unless you can find some major holes in Steve Hodell's investigation, go ahead and clear the Black Dahlia murder." Many have tried to solve the mystery of what happened to Elizabeth in the last six days of her life. Many have been accused of the crime, many more have confessed. In 1996, the total number of confessions the police had received stood at approximately 500 confessions, none of which were real, and several of which were charged with obstruction of justice. At the time, 150 people were interviewed as suspects, but none were charged. A young woman was brutally murdered and left on display, and as the story slips further and further into the past, it becomes more and more unlikely that we'll ever really know the true story of what happened to her. But if she did want to become famous she got her wish in the most horrendous way possible.
1: Hello, I'm Jack Kirby, the host of The Matrix
0: Has You, and I want to let you in on a little secret. Well, it's more of a truth. In fact... It's the only real, constant truth in the universe, and that is that the Matrix has us all. I invite you to come on a journey with me every Saturday as I share listener experiences of glitches in the Matrix and parallel realities. Then you can judge for yourself if you think the Matrix is real. You can find the Matrix Has You podcast on the Paranormality Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And on Instagram at Paranormal Podcasts. Until we meet again, remember, the Matrix has us all. What do you think?
1: Hmm. So, yeah, this is something that I've read into quite heavily, actually.
0: I mean, I've literally just skimmed the surface there. It was like a rabbit hole, like with every name that was added on. Yeah. And there is, I mean, there's so many more things Things, I could have included. There was mobsters and gangsters and club owners and, you know. She was definitely a young woman who was...
1: Trying to make her way into the entertainment industry.
0: Yeah, but she was also troubled, alone, probably taken advantage of, but also... Was out there for herself as well, so I think there was, yeah. there was kind of that. There was a, a very much a balance there of she had her issues, yeah, but she tried to make the best of it, yeah. But yeah, this this doctor guy, wow, yeah. So some of the transcripts they they took from his bugged house. He mentioned illegal abortions. He charged people for operations that didn't happen. Yeah, all sorts of like random dodgy procedures. Procedures. Procedures for for mobsters sewing up people when they were you know stabbed, shot, and what have you. Yeah, there was all sorts of things, and he was a really dodgy guy.
1: Yep, he was.
0: But also, I loved the fact that whenever anyone spoke about him, the first things they said was he was a well-respected doctor. I'm like.
1: He Excuse had, me? He had. He was well-connected and he had friends in high places. Yeah, that's what I mean, including well-respected. Including in the LAPD. Yeah,
0: you mean he was he was rich. That's what you mean. Not well-respected, he was rich and knew the right people. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean you're well-respected. It means people are probably well, no, scared that, of you. That's
1: exactly what it means. It doesn't mean actually respected. It means well-respected means you are known by the right people mm. and they will have your mm. back, basically. Yeah. But yeah, there was a bit where they were bugging his house and there were police officers in a car outside listening to it Yeah. and there were sounds of a woman screaming and then thuds and at no point did did they they go and knock on the door. Probably because they they didn't want him...
0: To know they'd bugged the house. Yeah. Because that wasn't enough evidence to hear a scream and they literally
1: might have caught him in the act of doing
0: this. But they might not. It might have just been someone falling over and then like, oh shit, we've given up the
1: But also if it you know, they might have thought it was just a domestic and police didn't investigate domestic violence in those days at all.
0: Yes, because Men were allowed to do whatever they liked to their wives.
1: Mm. So the lot where Elizabeth Short was found, I don't know if they managed to trace back that George Hodel actually owned it. oh, Or something. It was something along those lines, I think. I should have done more research, but never mind.
0: I mean, it was Um, my peace love, so maybe I should have done more research. (laughs) Well, maybe.
1: But there was also this thing that she was laid out on top of bags of fertiliser, and they found receipts for bags of fertiliser at George Hiddell's home and in his account. So at
0: the time of the murder, yeah. he lived in a house that was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright's son, Lloyd yeah. Wright. But he lived there with, I think, was it three of his wives? Like well, literally at the same time. Just uh, They were all in the house together. Yeah, was so
1: there was, there was, I can't remember now, but his kind of main wife as he, such.
0: He had one wife that he wasn't officially married to but they were like husband and wife by law because they'd lived together for a certain amount of time that was
1: her i think and And everybody called her something like nonny or nanny or something i can't remember exactly
0: but then he had three actual legal wives that he had officially married
1: but there were there were rumors surrounding this common-law wife of his
0: yes common-law that's what i'm thinking of
1: where she would go out and find girls for him to bring back and have sexy parties with, but also some of them were horrifically abused and all sorts of stuff and drugged and raped and everything else.
0: Because that's where old man Ray comes in. Yeah. Because that's like, I mean, that's almost like, not snuff films, but they were
1: That's another theory. Yeah. Because there was a thing about... George Hodel and Man Ray were very close friends and they were both part of the Surrealist movement. And I hadn't realised that as well as an artistic movement, the Surrealist movement had political leanings and part of their kind of political manifesto as such was just incredibly misogynistic. So in the Surrealist movement, women were completely and utterly subservient to men and had to do whatever men said at any given time, no matter what it was, they had to just obey, basically. And apparently there is a photograph by Man Ray of a model laid on her back, arms in the air, and I think there's like a shadow goes right across. Ooh, I'm going
0: to see if I can find it. The
1: idea was that George Hodel killed Elizabeth Short as an art project as a homage to Man Ray's photographs. So it was kind of, the idea was that, you know, they would talk about, you know, what they would do to women if they could. And it, and sometimes it got quite dark, apparently, the conversations. But for Man Ray, it was always an art thing. Whereas George Hadell apparently took it to the ultimate level, almost as a way to one-up Man Ray. to say, you kind of talk all this stuff and you take these photographs but nobody ever really gets hurt or anything i've actually got away with murder
0: that is yeah like yeah that is like a proper boys club one-upmanship yeah like completely completely
1: and and it's very much the kind of sociopathic mindset of of the elite where it's like i'm well connected i've got a lot of money you couldn't prosecute me if you wanted to because I know, you know, the district attorney or the judge or whatever, and I'm just going to get away with it. And the idea being that he just felt that he could do whatever he wanted, so he did. But, wow. yeah, there's, there was – part of the story involves him fathering a child incestuously with one of his daughters, yeah, I... which was then aborted, and he was actually taken to court for yeah, that. Yeah,
0: but he was acquitted,
1: he was acquitted because she was drugged and couldn't give good testimony about it. And he said it wasn't him that got her pregnant; it was somebody else at the party. And she'd been given drugs, but it was kind of a joke, you know. Oh, they'd given oh yeah, this, it's really funny to- however old young young woman drugs as a joke again because they had absolutely no respect for women whatsoever. Yeah, the whole thing is absolutely horrific but also the name of my favorite metal band the black dahlia murder yeah that's
0: why i, I kind of did it cuz you were wearing that t-shirt and i was like oh inspiration oh, yeah i've always been vaguely interested yeah didn't know quite so much of the story like i didn't quite i didn't know i didn't realize how horrific it was i thought she'd literally yeah. just been cut in half but that whole no. drained of see drain that's a thing to me to drain a body completely of blood takes some knowledge takes some what? And time yeah. and like, and or it, somewhere or, to do it. Or, because they did say time of death was between the evening before or that morning. Yeah. So that doesn't actually leave a lot of time. So you need to do it quickly and concisely.
1: Yeah. But also the fact that cutting someone in half sounds easy. It really isn't. I mean, you have to have advanced anatomical knowledge to know where to cut the between the to cut. vertebrae yeah. to sever the spinal cord. And things like that and they said look you know even at the time they were like well probably it was probably a, a, a doctor or somebody with a medical knowledge yeah. that did this that's
0: kind of why i've focused on the doctor and the ex-mortician because they yeah. were both saying well those two would have known how to handle a dead body yeah. competently
1: yeah
0: and you know quickly but yeah where where was the blood?
1: Well, the the idea being that he probably killed her at his home,
0: exactly, and he had
1: facilities at the home to drain blood away, and then they placed her in the lot on well, the, on well, the yeah, fertilizer exactly, but, bags.
0: But a body holds what is it? Eight liters of blood?
1: I think it's about eight pints. Eight which pints is, isn't quite the same, but not quite. I, 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 can't, I can't do the conversion in my head, so I couldn't but tell you.
0: It's that's still a lot of blood. Yeah, and it's going to be messy as well.
1: Well, yeah, but if yeah. you've if you've got a slab at home in your basement, for example, yeah, which generally they have a drain in them anyway.
0: I guess if you're a doctor with your own private
1: um, yeah like Facilities.
0: practice, you would have
1: it's not going to be that hard. kind of
0: room, and you'd just clean it all up and be like, yeah, there's blood there, and I'm guessing they yeah didn't I did test an it. operation, yeah,
1: you know, we're talking about a guy that did operations for mobsters and stuff on the quiet and. Yeah, probably had facilities at his home so that but they didn't have to go to a hospital and have paperwork involved.
0: So she was last seen on the 9th, yeah. and then you've got – she turns up on the 15th, so you've mm-hmm. got the six days. And they kind of just breeze over that whole, you know, she had marks around her wrists and her ankles and her neck. Mm. So it sounds like she'd obviously been held somewhere. Yeah, Probably if – well, I, I again, they don't go into details about, you know, if she was – Starved, dehydrated, etc. I mean, that would have yeah. slightly lessened the amount of blood, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah,
1: not, not, a huge not amount,
0: hugely. Not hugely, but she was held somewhere. But yeah. I'm guessing DNA evidence wasn't really a, a thing.
1: Not until the, I think, 60s, 70s, maybe. Yeah. Possibly so. even later. And things like forensic DNA analysis that they do now, where they go on things like the 23andMe where you do the DNA tests. Yes. They actually use those websites now. The police have access to those websites. Handy. And they can go on there and they can find a match for a family member. So even if the killer hasn't done this swab test or anything, if somebody in their family is, it can be a close enough match that they can narrow it down to To somebody in that family.
0: family. Wow. And they've
1: found people like that. That's Um, amazing. There's a a good podcast actually – Advertising podcast on our podcast, but a good one called Bear Brook, which mm-hmm. was a, a very horrific set of murders where almost an entire family was found stuffed into two barrels. Oh, and God. And basically forensic genealogy, which is what they call it.
0: Was it in a. Were they out in the woods?
1: Yeah. And they didn't I find wouldn't... the second barrel for ages, ages because yeah. it was like 200 feet away. Because it was a thick and forest. And it doesn't wasn't sound it? like a long way, but. In a forest, it you is. You could be completely. Yeah, you, know. you can
0: be lost within a couple of metres.
1: Yeah, exactly. But basically forensic genealogy is pretty much all the work of one woman. She started the whole field of forensic genealogy yeah. by going through genealogy websites and trying to find matches for DNA. Yeah. And unfortunately, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but that's okay because I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday either. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, she's she's pioneered an entire field of forensics on her own. Yeah. I mean, obviously other people do it now, but she was the, the person that came up with it and did it.
0: And that's how they found the killer of the per- person yeah. in the barrel. They just yeah. randomly they, found DNA uh, linked to... Yeah,
1: it's a long story. You'd have, you'd yeah. have to listen to the whole podcast. It's, it's like eight or ten episodes, so it's not a huge thing. But yeah, a lot of the information I got about the Black Dahlia murder was from another one called Root of Evil, yes. where two I, descendants I didn't listen to the podcast, George but I, l-
0: I read up a lot of the excerpts yeah. from it.
1: So it's actually presented by two women that are directly descended yeah. from George Hodel, and they present a very very I mean I don't want to say watertight but a very convincing case mm-hmm. that George Hodel was the murderer of, of Elizabeth Short yeah and he got away with it because when, it. when it. they caught up with him he just buggered off around the world
0: well this is it so it turns out in one in one breath they were saying oh we had enough evidence in in 1950 to go after him but for other reasons, or maybe because he was tipped off by a friend in the police force, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm off, you can't get me. And then yeah. he just stayed there. yeah, And he stayed there until, what, 1990?
1: And there was a reason uh, he went to the Philippines as well.
0: Yes, there was, because I, I vaguely remember reading something, but I don't think I included it, because there was...
1: Sex tourism.
0: Oh, yeah. He
1: went there because
0: easy uh, well, no, he, started, time, he started up a was... whole another another family in the yeah. Philippines oh, yeah, like, yeah. he had a whole another thing going
1: but he, so. he originally went there because he just wanted to sleep with as many people as possible
0: and at that point I suppose yeah yeah but yeah he was he was supposed to have, have stayed there but his son was like no I think he he popped over and did this here did that there yeah and yeah he's, there's, there's others Probably I won't put it past him. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, that is."
1: But it's it's a it's a fascinating podcast to listen to, and it's it it delves into the family, and the the entire family is messed up one way or another. Yeah, and I, and I mean that with all due respect, because none of none none of them, apart from Jojo uh, George Hodel, are at fault. Really, it was the way they were treated. Yeah, but the daughter he had that. He allegedly got pregnant and then aborted the baby.
0: Yeah.
1: She then went on to have kids, but her kids were messed up because she was messed up by the whole yeah. thing and she yeah. didn't know how to parent properly. That's it. And she passed on it's loads of trauma to them thing. Kind isn't of thing. it? Yeah. And, and basically, uh, as part of the podcast, they get back together and they talk as a family and they start to kind of work through some of their issues and it's, it's kind of fascinating but horrific at the same time. Because you don't really
0: think when you see these horrendous things happening that there are obviously there are families out there because yeah, you know all, whose lives all, have been
1: shattered all by all the these big sort of
0: murderers things. it's not just like you, you you always think about the murder victim and the murder victim's family yeah but the murderer has a family too
1: well this is it and i mean some don't some are you know kind of very well, lone type psychopaths which fit the traditional mold of oh he was a loner he was the quiet neighbour next door, oh, we didn't expect anything like that from him because he always kept to himself, which is the kind of cliched thing that people say in interviews when yeah. this comes out. When
0: they think, Oh but, my goodness, I really liked him, but I didn't I don't want to say, Oh yeah, I always got on really well with him. But yeah, he killed like twenty people. Yeah. Oh, he was fine or with they me, just though. Sort used sort to say he was <laughs> very
1: quiet, he kept <laughs> to himself, blah blah blah. But there are just as many who, like you say, have families. Friends, who, families, yeah. you know. Who then have to cope with the fallout of all this and try and figure out what the hell to do. And,
0: and question their judgement for the rest of their lives.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Because it's the policeman that you, you mentioned who he's written books on it and stuff. Yeah. George Hodel was his dad. Yeah. And it comes out that his dad was capable of these horrendous, horrific crimes. He, seems, he's quite, like,
0: he seems quite... He was always dis- quite detached. nice to me. He seems quite detached from it, though.
1: He is now, but when he first started looking into yeah. it... You know, he had quite nice memories of his dad. His dad was yeah. always quite nice to him, partly because he was a boy. But, you know, so suddenly yeah. then, you know, imagine it comes out tomorrow that your dad has killed 50 women.
0: I'd be like, when did he find the time to do that?
1: <laughs> but it would change but your no, perception that, of the person completely. No, that's a horrible joke you like to laugh about. But, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you only know people as much as they let you. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Which is terrifying because, like you say, it's oh it's so and so next door, it's the guy that delivered the newspapers. It's the but guy it's, that used to mow your lawn. You know. But it's also
1: that everybody that knows you has a different perception of who you are as well. But That's
0: because also you project you, a different person yeah, you, to the people. You only allow
1: certain information out to certain yeah. people and that changes with each it's person. Uh, so but there for is that much. there is no you as such because the you that you think you are is also wrong. Yeah. because you're unaware of your own foibles and failings and quirks a lot of the time and behaviors and things like that so you are essentially an amalgam of yourself that you know and what everybody else knows about you as well it's
0: like it is weird because like every everyone has multiple personalities but not in the you know not in the disassociative sense yeah but it yeah and then it's like everyone's like, be true to yourself which self which shall one? I be yeah. true to shall I be true to the one that just wants to go out and get drunk
1: well shall it's I? Tuesday so it's Maybe probably it's mayhem not,
0: it's not the, the the true to myself that wants Chinese because they're always closed
1: not always closed they're just closed on a Tuesday and we always want a Chinese takeaway always on a Tuesday want,
0: oh my god some it's reason. so so infuriating it's like forbidden
1: fruit though isn't it it's like oh yeah it's so closed today subconsciously oh, your brain's going yeah.
0: there's that little guy going I know, it's Tuesday, suggest Chinese to him. Make him think of Chinese. Make him think, hmm, let's have a Chinese. And then I go, oh, yeah, Chinese, that's a good idea. Shit.
1: So there used to be a, a, a comic strip, and I forget what – I think it was the dandy. It wasn't the bean, I was, as far as I remember. But basically it was, there was a guy, and it used to cut to the inside of his head – and there were all these different departments and tiny people running around. Yeah. And they had like a suggestion box. And they'd put <laughs> stuff in the suggestion box and the bloke would go, oh. And that's what happens with me. The oh. tiny people in my head go, oh, we could really go for some MSG right about do, now.
0: Do, do, do.
1: <laughs> but I could swear they made a movie that was like that. What? Where there was lots of little people running around inside somebody's head and, and like, in their just, body and stuff.
0: You're not thinking of Inside Out?
1: No, no, I'm not, not thinking, thinking of that. Inside Out. And you're
0: no. not thinking of how our body works?
1: I don't believe so because I don't Where think i that. Where there
0: was the guy with the long white beard and and Tash and it, every episode they zoomed into a part of your body and showed you how it worked. No. But it was like your body was a factory or a machine. Yeah. There'd be lots of people working inside. That's
1: kind of like the comic strip was, yeah. Yeah, but it might have no. actually
0: been the same thing I, because I, I, I used to be able I, to get big books of it. I can't think what it, it was.
1: I'm
0: going to see if I can find a little doodah for it because it...
1: Well, I kind of want to say it was like a movie with like Paul Rudd or Jim Carrey or somebody. And, and like, basically, they were almost like a, a robot and there were lots of little people living in this thing wandering around pretending to be a human. Whereas in the comic strip, he was supposed to be human. It was just kind of a, an interesting way to see how things worked.
0: Yeah, it's, it's intriguing and it's been referenced so much in pop culture. Yeah. I mean, obviously, bands. The Black
1: Darling Murder, yeah.
0: And it's one of those things where it's kind of there and you you know the picture of her. Yeah. You, you kind of... You know that it's her. Yeah. And you know a bit about it, but you don't know a lot about it. And I mean, I... I was kind of reminded of it when I watched American Horror Story because she kind of right. makes a little cameo appearance in that. Yeah. And and she, in that, she's kind of like, oh, you know, I always wanted to be famous. And they're like, well, yeah, you are.
1: You are now, you yeah. You are.
0: You're like a household name. Be and careful like,
1: what you wish for.
0: Exactly. It's very much that.
1: Yeah. But then it
0: says, you know, she they say she was an aspiring actress, well, but like, there's not actually any evidence that she actually did any acting whatsoever. Which is
1: weird because... I could have sworn that I remember seeing something that would that she she had acted in or not not seeing the actual film but had heard about it, but actually thinking about it, I think I might be thinking of LA Confidential because the movie LA Confidential is about the Black Dahlia murder. Is it? Yeah, oh. but in a kind of a roundabout way, so it does it's, it's an odd movie. And it centres on these two cops that are kind of from different sides of the tracks and blah, blah, blah. Because
0: there is a film called The Black Dahlia Murder as well. Is
1: there?
0: Yeah, you're not thinking of that one, are you? No,
1: LA Confidential. But that's about the Black Dahlia Murder. But then it kind of, it it goes on a couple of tangents and kind of comes back at the end. But I think I'm thinking of that because there were scenes in that where she posed for kind of what you would class as like stag films. So not porn, but as close to porn as a, some people can li- get back in the day a little
0: bit kinky but not quite well a more bit
1: kind of like you know little risky. negligees and <laughs> yeah and that kind of thing and i think it i think that was in la confidential and i'm getting confused okay it's certainly one way to become famous
0: yeah so um it sounds like she had a, a fairly hectic life as well
1: yeah right? Yeah, because she kind of went all over the place, didn't she? Like you say, it was she Florida, traveled and around LA a lot and then... she, I mean, she
0: was really ill in her early years, didn't have a great childhood with her dad up and left and pretended to commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, what a dick. And then writes and goes, oh, actually, yeah. Yeah. Is it like 12 years later? Oh, actually, yeah, I am alive. Yeah. And then they didn't get on, surprise, surprise, because, you know...
1: Well, yeah, you wouldn't think you would, would you, after somebody, like faked their own death for a while and then came back and went, oh, actually, it's all fine.
0: It says, you know, she moved around a lot after she left her dad's. Just, you know, string of boyfriends, different jobs. Yeah and not all of them particularly healthy relationships. I mean,
1: it it kind of sounds like your classic daddy issues kind of thing. Yeah, she dated, she she literally
0: seemed to go after all the guys she couldn't have. At one point, the police were like, well, we've kind of exhausted the guys to look at. Let's look at the women. Is it going to be girlfriends, wives, or lovers of of her brothers? Yeah, yeah. Is it a jealousy thing? I was like, that's a fairly... Revenge killing. Yeah, but but that's a fairly extreme revenge killing
1: oh yeah yeah you i know? mean that's definitely making an example of somebody if you were doing that but again
0: also it doesn't seem like a crime of passion
1: no it's no that's of a, a, a very slow deliberate
0: that's a very meticulous and and very thought out witch. yeah
1: very planned out yeah
0: crimes of passion traditionally are a bit more frenzied well and, and, angry. and also
1: yeah they're just impulsive aren't they exactly so the you're the not going to be like definition. oh
0: It'd be a case of seeing her on the street and probably just running around
1: stabbing her, or something. Yeah, yeah that kind exactly. of
0: instantaneous. What have I got at hand? Not, yeah, I know. I'll take her to a room. I'll chop her up. I will drain her blood. I will yeah. remove some bits here. Give her a Chelsea here. smile or Glasgow
1: yeah. smile, as you called it. That's
0: what they called
1: it. But I was like, yeah.
0: no, isn't it a nice no, a Chelsea Chelsea grin." I'm thinking of a... what, what's the uh, facelift one. Where you pull your hair back really tight in a ponytail.
1: Oh, that's a council facelift.
0: Yeah, the the wide eyes don't come over very well on podcasts. Not they? so much, no. <laughs> but it was entertaining for me.
1: Sure. As long as you're <laughs> happy, that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she's, I feel, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. It's it's, it's horrible. I feel sorry for it's, her. I mean, it's, the, the
1: the reason it's lived on in infamy is is twofold, isn't it? It's because officially the case has never been. It's never, solved. Yeah,
0: officially it's never been solved. The guy is basically. There's always someone in charge of it because there's always someone in charge of unsolved murders. But they're like, yeah. it's so old now.
1: What? It's what almost what like, What's evidence the point? are you going to bring because up the now? G- the
0: guy yeah. that we want would would want to charge is dead anyway. Yeah. And I think also if they keep it open, it's almost like there is the chance for all this extra stuff, speculation to still go on because she was a beautiful young woman and yeah. it was a horrendous, gross, And, and that's the second part of it is, is murder. It's
1: the gruesomeness of the crime. It's, it's yeah. just, yeah, most murders are like, you know, stabbing or whatever and stabbing, or cheating, shooting or yeah, whatever. Yeah, something like that. Most it's, people aren't it's, it's, bisected and... and you know slashed across the mouth and That's it. skin removed from parts of them and all the rest and posed posed she was, posed, she was you know. posed
0: it was yeah she didn't
1: they didn't just throw her down on the floor and that was that it was she was meticulously like you say posed so yeah there
0: we go elizabeth wow. short the black dahlia
1: yeah try not to have nightmares but you probably will
0: i dreamt about chicken last night chicken well, not real chicken.
1: I was going to say chicken the meat or a chicken.
0: Oh, God. I, no, that would be a nightmare for me. I hate chickens. Yeah,
1: I know. your their
0: little feet and their beady eyes. Almost as yeah. bad as pigeons. But don't get me started on those.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you're not really one for the birds, are you? No,
0: I love birds. Do you? Robins, crows, like...
1: You know they've all got scaly little feet and beady eyes as well, don't yes, you? Yes,
0: but these are friendly and they talk to me. Whereas pigeons, all they've ever done is flown at my head or shat on me. And chickens, there's that chicken around my mum and dad's that literally tries to attack people. I was like, I do not care that I'm vegan and I love animals. If that thing comes near me, I am going to boot it. <laughs> but it, 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 it. It attacked mum. It like literally came into the garden and she tried to shoot it away.
1: Well, there you go. She tried to shoot away, and it was just and like, I'm just pro- minding my own business. I don't understand property law. I don't understand garden boundaries. I'm a chicken. What do you want from it me? Was,
0: it was an angry, angry chicken. Well, maybe if everywhere you it went, was- people <gasps>
1: shooed you off, you'd it get was- annoyed what as was well.
0: Is it? it Poco Loco? No. Poco-
1: yeah.
0: Was it? No, but I'm thinking of the. In the. In Chew. Yeah, there was a oh, the mad yeah. chicken. Polo. I- oh, Polo my-
1: Loco. Something like I that. I
0: don't know, but he was. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, of. Poco
1: Loco is a, a little bit mad, isn't it? That's from
0: <laughs> from Coco.
1: Coco, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now.
0: That's really Yeah. Ah, anyway, anyway. I do not like chickens, I do not like pigeons because it's their beady eyes and the way they judge you. And I'm like, You are they're they're not judging you. They are in They know pl- the brain capacity they, to do
1: they've got the brain of the size of a walnut. I
0: don't care. They are judging me. <laughs> Whereas crows, I look at me. I think that's a projection
1: thing for you, love.
0: But no, crows, robins. We see so many birds on the way to school and it's like, oh, look see, at this. See, crows,
1: crows are judging you because ravens and crows and corvids in general remember faces.
0: I know, And they know.
1: remember people who have been nasty to them and they remember that's them That's why I always give hold them a grudges. Little,
0: and say hello and stuff because I'm like, I'm being polite. Isn't
1: that just magpies, though?
0: I I salute all of the... The corvids. Okay. Because they're all lovely.
1: See, I remember reading a thing that said basically ravens and crows are the same thing. There's no real difference between them. But I read something recently that said there's actually quite a few differences yeah. between ravens and crows. One has like a wedge-shaped tail and one has a fan-shaped tail. And there's the uh, something are, to do with the beaks. Well, I think um, what,
0: some are black and one is slightly greyer. Yeah. Got like
1: a, and they have like white tufts around the base of it or something like that maybe not white tough and you've got rooks as well
0: i think rooks and ravens are the same aren't they
1: no rooks are chess pieces
0: um (laughs) that's my middle (laughs) finger (laughs) yes it is and actually is it not just the castle
1: no they're called rooks
0: who won the last game of chess that we played
1: you did that doesn't mean you get to call them castles
0: you called it a castle. No, did I what? did
1: not. You I castle said, it. I said, I am castling, which is the name of the move, not the piece. Oh, you Because git. you build a defensive wall around the king. It's castling because you build a defensive wall, Starting not because you the cast- use rooks. So
0: why is it in the shape of a castle?
1: I don't know. Ask Mr Chess.
0: Mr Chess, why <laughs> is your chess piece that is a castle apparently
1: called a rook? Why does the bishop look a bit like a penis? No, that one makes sense. <laughs> because,
0: <laughs> yes, see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and goodbye to all our religious listeners. Oh, I was yeah, going to anyway. say,
0: but why do the prawns look like <laughs> not look like prawns? <laughs>
1: <'Cause laughs> they don't look like I, prawns. I, know, I, know. I bet you can get a chess set somewhere that uses prawns, like models of prawns.
0: <gasps> it would be like the Little Mermaid. Uh, chests. Hey,
1: here's a thing. What? You remember you did your episode on mermaids? Yeah. 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 Often mermaids are just depicted wearing starfish on their chests, right? As a, like a type of bra. Yeah. No. Yes, they shells. are no, shells. No, because if you put them, they would be starfish. eating
0: their nipples. Exactly,
1: because starfish have a mouth right in the bottom. Like a yes. So they're no. giving it. Ooh, like maybe Maggie Simpson
0: Maybe they're breastfeeding the starfish
1: Oh, that's just made or, mermaids even weirder
0: Or they're actually <laughs> They're pumping And, the, and then they <laughs> unpop that And,
1: and then, then stir,
0: squeeze it <laughs> <and> squeeze it <laughs> I've just done these for you love There you go
1: <laughs> I never thought we'd be talking about squeezing starfish on the show But alright
0: <laughs> Oh, that's amazing
1: Oh, well, I
0: hope I dream of that tonight.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> you want to dream about mermaids expressing into starfish? How the hell have we got.
0: <laughs> that was you. That was all on
1: you, love. All I on you. It probably was. I'm usually the instigator of this ridiculousness. Yeah. Right. Well, from Elizabeth Short's horrific murder down to.
0: Expressing things. mermaids.
1: Expressing mermaids. If I ever see a dugong. Or a manatee with starfish stuck to it.
0: There is a picture of one as a mermaid, and he's got little. And I was like, "Oh,
1: they're just starfish crashes."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Manatees, the crash of the sea. Anyway,
0: you leave them alone. I
1: didn't say anything bad about them. You can get little- down off your high seahorse.
0: <laughs> Very funny <laughs> I think we've digressed enough now, love Yeah I'm tired, I need to go to bed
1: Okay, no night no, then She's still here
0: I'm just thinking I can't <laughs> get out without having to climb over stuff Otherwise I'd run away and leave you to pack up <laughs> We have to finish, we have to finish Okay So if you got through all of that random randomness, well done I'm not sure I did
1: We can't afford to send you a medal, but you deserve one.
0: (laughs) But we have a thank you. We have a shout out for Chris, our new Patreon subscriber. Mm. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoy what you've heard so far.
1: Yep. Um, Working your way through all the minisodes. We've just recorded a new one for you tonight on a lightning crash. And I'll tell you no more about it. If you want to get involved with that, you can join our Patreon like Chris did.
0: So our Patreon has two tiers currently. The first tier is... £1 a month. And for £1 a month you get...
1: A shout out and our undying gratitude.
0: And eternal thanks. Yes. And that just helps us plod on with the various costs of running a podcast. Yep. And the second tier, which is slightly more interesting, is...
1: £3 a month, which is approximately $4.20 which is the one you want to go for if you want to get extra content, because with that one, you get minisodes, you get time-lapse videos of illustrations as and when we can, and we outtakes. also do outtakes of all the various flubs, gaffs, and mouth shames that we do. So
0: many weird noises.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: I don't even want to yeah. imagine.
1: Oh, there's some caucus.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: So you get all that for the price of about a coffee a month.
0: Yeah. And it really does help us.
1: Yeah. So thank you to all our patrons currently. Yes, thank we love you, you all. Thank you to any new ones that join. Awesome. We'll love you just as much. and Equals Just swiggles. as often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds weird and wrong. Let's get rid of that bit.
1: Probably not. You're weird. Yeah.
0: So yeah, if you want to join Patreon, we have uh, a link on our website.
1: And in the show notes.
0: And in the show notes. Always the show notes. Oh, my God. If you would like to email us a strange story of your either own creation or just one you're really interested in, you can email us at
1: storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com.
0: If you would like to join our club, which isn't really a club, it's a Facebook group. (laughs) Yeah, Facebook
1: facebook.com slash stories of strangeness that's the page and there is a join group button right there where you can chat to us if you wish
0: if you want to follow us on instagram
1: instagram.com slash stories of strangeness that's probably where we're most active actually
0: and uh, do we even go anywhere near twitter these days
1: i haven't been on twitter in ages
0: okay well you can still find us on twitter we you won't can not talk to you
1: it's mainly useless <laughs> but fine no if you if you get in touch via twitter we are at so strange pod and if you get in touch there will be a notification pops up on my phone so i'll know
0: and then if he doesn't reply you know he's ignoring you yeah and if you want any of that repeated you can go to our website
1: which is www.storiesofstrangeness.com and badly needs updating because i haven't done it in weeks
0: terrible <laughs> terrible know. terrible if you have a hankering to buy some really random stuff you can head to our red bubble If you search for Zoe and Mike, all one word, you can find our logo and various random little illustrations we've done for our random episodes.
1: I'm really curious to see what you're going to do for this one.
0: Oh, shit, yeah.
1: Yeah, it might actually have to be a a dahlia.
0: Just spoiling the surprise now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. But they are pretty. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, so you can find all of our scribblings on various items that you can buy and show off to your friends and family who almost certainly won't care.
0: (laughs) Do we have a fun fact? No. Simple as?
1: Yeah, I haven't looked one up.
0: Okay, here's an interesting weird fact for you. There was a small town in Minnesota that for four years... Hold on, no, this can't be right. (laughs) The mayor...
1: Was it was a, a dog. Was a dog. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard about that Oh, one.
0: my God. The yeah. dog is so cute, though. I would totally have voted for that. It, so exactly,
1: and that's why he got re-elected four years running.
0: Pyrenees. <laughs> so, four consecutive terms in office. And
1: yeah.
0: He was, yeah, civil service. What? He loved the civil service. He was getting too old for the job. 91. And if you put
1: in dog, 91? Oh, he was
0: 91 in dog in, years. I was going to say, yeah. Duke plans to write a book about his legacy of being... A very good boy.
1: How the hell is he going to do that?
0: I don't know. How did he
1: run a fucking He can't write it and he can't dictate it. I don't know. Well, I think that's the end of this episode now. Thanks for coming.
0: A shot of espresso contains less caffeine than a cup of coffee. Okay, sorry. Are we going now? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye.
0: Love you.